Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Uh, welcome to another episode of the 1952-1953 season. I will spend a little more time on Thanksgiving again to, today, which is uh, fun. I love having all these shows about Thanksgiving. Um, the one thing, uh, well, a few things I'll point out about today's show. Um, well, first, I want to uh, say I left off... Um, Kenny Baker, I believe, yesterday, and um, Andy Devine, when I was uh, saying thank you to the actors that were in uh, the Jack Benny show. Uh, I also want to mention from tonight's episode, uh, we get a treat here. We have um, Mary Livingston and Bob Crosby singing a song together. And Mary, um, early on, sang a lot of songs with with Phil and, and uh, by herself and um, so forth in the, in the 1930s and early 1940s. But then she kind of dropped off doing that as much, and so it's neat to get her singing with Bob Crosby. She does sound like she's, they really have to turn up her mic like she's singing really quietly here, but, uh, but it's a fun performance, and I'm glad she does that. The other thing we get tonight that's real different is we get a chance to hear um, the actors, uh, the cast, in relating to each other for quite a long extended period of time without Jack's presence. Um, I often think that over the years it would have been nice to have more instances of Don talking to Dennis and Dennis and Mary talking and, and Mary and Don uh, so often the episodes, when you listen to them, go start off with uh, Don introducing Jack, and then it's Don, Jack, Jack, Don for a little while, and then Mary will show up and it'll be Jack, Mary, Mary, Jack, going back and forth for dialogue, and then, of course, it'll be Jack to Dennis, and then maybe Jack to Phil, but it'll always be kind of linear in that it's always... Jack to whoever the, whoever it is, with maybe Mary coming across a little bit, or Jack and Mary to Dennis, but you don't really get Mary direct to Dennis or Mary to Dawn, um, and I wish there was more of that cross character to character, and where they built more of the relationship of the characters to each other instead of always the character to to Jack. Jack is always the center, and everybody else relates to Jack. Um, I think it would have been fun to have more, especially going on with, uh, I think, Phil and Dennis in their in um, the years before this, of course, because Phil's not on the show this year, but but th I think that would have been a fun relationship that they could have built on that they really didn't. Um, and I don't know exactly why. I mean, um, early on they seemed to do more of that, and as the years progressed, do less and less and less of it. But here we have a chance to really hear a lot of banter between cast members. But there seems to be something missing with Jack missing. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying I'd want Jack written out entirely. I just would like more cast-to-cast -cast member without Jack uh, always being the exact center. In this case, it goes on and it, seems, it just feels kind of awkward a little bit. And then even when Jack comes, uh, Jack even is, is like well, this could have happened a lot sooner sort of thing. It's just kind of a really interesting episode to just listen to and hear where Jack comes from. So, anyway, I hope you enjoy 
this fun, fun episode uh, of the Jack Benny Show. Um, before I forget, I want to mention last night's episode on Saturday's episode from 1937. Uh, there's some conversation about um, women cooking the turkey, you know, and something about Jack's going to cook the turkey, and they're saying, well, um, you know, that's woman's work or that sort of thing, and, and Jack says, no, no, it's not woman's work, and um, I thought for a second, I'm like, wow, here we go, here we have a moment, uh, a very politically correct moment from way back when, and I'm like, <laughs> but then immediately Jack turns it around and makes it this ultimate sexist piece, uh, <laughs> and it it just reminds me of how um, often on the Jack Benny show we can listen to it today and there's not a huge amount of inappropriate or not PC uh, dialogue in the show. I mean, there is, but it's not to the extent of, say, a lot of the other shows on radio. Um, some of the other shows you'll listen to them, certainly the Jimmy Durante show comes up, that you listen to that, and there seems to be a lot more inappropriate, um, or what is considered today inappropriate dialogue. I mean, I, I would hope everybody listening can, can say to themselves, okay, this dialogue is appropriate for the time, certainly would not be appropriate today. Um, but like I say, in Jack's case, there's less of that than a lot of shows. And I think it's because Jack's whole situation is more a situation comedy and not as topical as some of the other shows. Anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. We'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky tastes better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher. Smoother, lucky, 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 striking, fine tobacco, lucky, striking, fine tobacco, cleaner, fresher, smoother, better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. Hello, friends, this is Don Wilson. Luckies do taste better, cleaner, fresher, and smoother. And you know, a nationwide survey in 80 leading colleges based on actual student interviews reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Luckies than any other cigarette, by a wide margin, too. What's more... Lucky Strike gained far more smokers in these colleges than the nation's two other principal brands combined. And why? Lucky's better taste. Yes, sir. Better taste is the number one reason the students gave for smoking Lucky's. Of course, when it comes to real smoking enjoyment, nothing, no nothing, beats better taste. And Lucky Strike is the cigarette that gives you better taste. So get the cleaner, fresher, smoother taste you want in your cigarette. Next pack you buy, make it Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, immediately after this program, Jack Benny does his television show. 
Meanwhile, let's go back to last Thursday and show you how our gang spent Thanksgiving. Our scene opens in Jack's home in Beverly Hills. Night and day, I am the one. Thanksgiving comes and goes, but I'm never done. Rochester. I'm working all the time. I'm nothing but a one-man assembly line. Night and day. Mr. Lanza. Day and Mario, what's come over you? You've been singing all day today. Well, I'm happy, boys. Here it is Thanksgiving, and I could have been born a turkey. Oh. <laughs> you wouldn't have liked that, huh? No, I couldn't stand being in an oven undressed and people looking in at me every few minutes. <laughs> I know, I know. Say, Rochester, I'm going to Miss Livingston's house for a Thanksgiving party, so will you help me get dressed? I'm going formal. Okay, but if I were you, I'd change my mind about wearing that old tuxedo. Why, what'd you do to it? Oh, it's nothing I did, boss. But the last time I went to get it, the closet was full of moths. Moths? Oh, my goodness. Were they eating my tuxedo? Eating it? They didn't even look up when I came in. <laughs> well, do you think the holes will show? I don't know, but if the wind is blowing, face it, boss. Face it! <laughs> Well, I don't care. I'm still going to wear them. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Mary. The whole gang is here. When are you coming over? Pretty soon. And, Mary, I got a surprise for you. I'm going to dress formal. Formal? But, Jack, that tuxedo of yours is so old, it's green. Mary, my tuxedo isn't green. <laughs> okay, but stay away from the salad bowl. You may get stabbed with a fork. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? Jack. The reason I called you is, well, I've been so busy getting the dinner ready for you and the gang, I forgot to get some flowers. So I thought maybe you'd stop over at the florist and bring me some. Okay, Mary. I'll bring you half a dozen roses. Only a half dozen? But, Jack, they don't cost so much. Well, no, the roses alone don't, Mary, but you're going to the expense of the entire dinner. Why, why should you spend any more? <laughs> After all, you're doing enough. Jack, I meant for you to buy the roses. Oh, 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 oh. Well, Mary, you didn't have to beat around the bush. Why didn't you come right out and say so? Of course I'll bring them. Goodbye. I'll get it, Rochester. When you say I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. When you ask me to... Hello, Mr. Binney. Well, hello, Mr. Gibson. Mr. Kitzel, what brings you here? I was passing by and I stopped to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice of you. Come on in. Thank you. Wait till I tie this leash. Oh, you you got your dog with you? No, my turkey. I'm taking it out for a walk. <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, you're taking a turkey for a walk? A long walk. Why? By the time we get home, she'll be so glad to lay down, the rest will be easy. <laughs> Oh, well, tell me, Mr. Kitzel, are you going to have much company at your Thanksgiving dinner? My wife's relatives. Oh, just your wife's relatives? Just. <laughs> you should have so many listeners. <laughs> oh, gee. 
Uh, how many are going to be there? My wife's mother and father, her sister Claudette, her three brothers, one of her aunts, two of her nephews, and a distant cousin from Wyoming. Wyoming? Wild Bill Shapiro. <laughs> Wild Bill Shapiro. Yeah. Oh, he's a cowboy? No, I used car dealer. <laughs> Say, your wife, your wife really, really has a big family. Do they always come to your house for Thanksgiving dinner? Unfortunately, yes. And this time they came early. When did they come? In 1947. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, you're joking. <laughs> Well, I got to be going, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. So long, Mr. Kitzel, and a happy Thanksgiving. I'll force myself. <laughs> you'll make it, you'll make it. Goodbye. <laughs> Imagine so many relatives. Oh, my goodness, look what time it is. Rochester, help me get dressed now. I'm late for Miss Livingston's party. Yeah, I bet the whole gang is there already having a wonderful time. Mary, it's your turn to sing. Not me. I'll tell you what, Mary. Let's sing a number together. Yeah, go ahead, kids. The Sportsman Quartet will join you. So you met someone who set you back on your heels. Goody, goody. So you met someone and now you know how it feels. Goody, goody. So you gave her your heart, too. Yeah, just as I gave mine to you. And she broke it in little pieces. Oh, that was a mess. Now how do you do? <laughs> so you lie awake just singing the blues all night. Goody, goody. So you think that love's a barrel of dynamite. Hooray and hallelujah. You had it coming to you. Goody, goody for you. Goody, goody for me. And I hope you're satisfied you rise with you.
was really wonderful. Tom, it was a swell idea. You're bringing the whole band here to Mary's house. Well, I thought it'd be kind of nice to have some music. <laughs> Bob, I don't mind your band being here, but your boys have a lot of nerve putting one of my best dishes on the piano for an ashtray. Well, what ashtrays? That's for tips. <laughs> tips? What a gang. Say, Mary, when do we eat? Not till Jack gets here. Well, Mary, I don't care for myself, but I wish you'd feed the boys in the band. They're starving. Well, uh... Can't they hold out? Well, I don't think so. Gee, I just passed them some crackers and Bagby ate my wristwatch. <laughs> no. Yeah, he thought the strap was a long anchovy. <laughs> well, Bob, we'll eat in just about a few minutes. I hope so. I've been here ever since 6.30 this morning. 6.30 this morning? Dennis, how come you got here so early? Well, I got to come by bus and I wanted to make sure I'd be here on time. Well, Dennis... How far do you live from here? Three miles. Well, if you, if you only live three miles away, why did you start out so early? Who knew I'd take the right bus? <laughs> well, then you did take the right bus. It must have been. It got me to San Diego in time to catch the plane back here. <laughs> uh, uh, wait a minute, Dennis. You took a bus to San Diego and then flew back here to Los Angeles? Why'd you do that? Well, the only way I know how to get to your house is from the airport. <laughs> oh, fine. Don, you better take Dennis home tonight. Yeah, sure, Murray. What time do you want to go, Dennis? Oh, anytime, Don. Our plane doesn't leave for San Diego till midnight. <laughs> uh, Dennis... Uh, Dennis, do your mother and father celebrate Thanksgiving? No. I didn't think so. Mary, when the food's all ready, let me know, and I'm going to help you serve it. Well, thank you, Bob, but it won't be necessary. I've hired a butler for the day. I'll get it. I can't give you anything but love. Uh, oh, hello, Jack. What took you so long? I don't know, but it's about time. <laughs> I, uh... I'll tell you what took me so long, Mary. I had to stop for the flowers. Here you are, Mary. Well, thank you. Is everybody here? Sure, they're in the living room. Let's go in. Jack, you did wear that old tuxedo, didn't you? Oh, it's not so old. Hiya, fellas. Oh, hi, Jack. Hi, 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 hello, hello, Bob. Hiya, Jack. Wow, say that is original. What? Oh, a tuxedo made out of chlorophyll. <laughs> It is not made out of chlorophyll. Well, it could use a little. <laughs> Never mind. It's a perfectly good suit. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, I've got one just like it. You see? I wear it in all the St. Patrick's Day parades. <laughs> Dennis, do me a favor. Don't be on my side. <laughs> now, go sit down. Thanks. I've been here ever since 6.30. <laughs> He thinks I'm going to ask him why he's crazy. 
for a million dollars. I'm not going to go through what happened three weeks ago. Well, say, Jack. Jack, you should have been here a few minutes ago. I did a tap dance. You did, eh? Well, you kids must have been having a lot of fun. Yeah, gee, it's great getting together on Thanksgiving like this. You said it, Bob. And this year, you know, we should all be thankful. I know I am. See, when I get up in the morning and I hear the birds singing, I got the beautiful moonlight at night, I get all the fresh air I need, all the sunshine I want. So far, it hasn't cost you a dime. (laughs) What are you complaining about? You got your flowers, didn't you? Now, let's not stand around arguing. What we need is entertainment. That's right. Say, Dennis, it'll be a little while before we eat. So how about a song? Yeah, come on, Dennis. How about it, huh? Come on, Denny. Go ahead. Yeah, it's about time somebody asked me. I've been here ever since 6.30. (laughs) I'm not going to ask him why. Jack, while Dennis is singing, will will you mix the salad? Sure, Mary, but let me wear your apron. I don't want to get my tuxedo dirty. Okay. Here you are. Thanks. Now, Dennis, go ahead and sing your... I'll get it, Mary. Uh, I'll get the door. Hold the song till I come back, kid. When you say I beg your pardon, then I'll come back to you. When you ask me to... Yes? How do you do? Uh, Is this Miss Livingston's residence? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Well, Miss Livingston is expecting me for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, oh, well, come right in. You got here just in time. The fun's just starting. How nice. Here, uh... Here, let me, let me take your hat. Thank you. Your coat? Thank you. Now, follow me. Hey, kids! Oh, oh, pardon me. I didn't introduce myself. I'm Jack Benny. How do you do? I'm the new butler. Hey, kids! What? <laughs> the butler? Yes. Are you the downstairs maid? <laughs> I happen to be a guest here. I'm wearing this apron because I don't want to get salad dressing on my chlorophyll. I mean, my tuxedo. (laughs) If you're the butler, the kitchen is right through that door. Thank you. Hmm. Jack, who is at the door? Nobody. Well, whose coat and hat are you carrying? Oh, darn it, they're your butlers. He just came in. (laughs) All right, all right. Go ahead and sing, Dennis. Well, Mr. Benny, I'm going to introduce a new song, and if you like it, maybe you'll want to use it on your television show. Maybe. Let's hear it. Dream and you will have 
and an ever-ending June night As long as we demand it be Dreams, yes, dreams alone I have nothing else I can Still I know we'll find happiness My heart within me cries Please close your eyes And dream dear With me Dinner's on the table. It's about time. I've been here ever since 6.30. Dennis, I'm not going to ask you why, so be quiet. Hey, kids, I'll tell you what. Let's all march in the dining room. Let's have a good old conga line. Okay. Da-da-da-da-da. Boom. Da-da-da-da-da. Boom. Da-da-da-da-da. Boom. Don. Don, if you can't control it, don't swing it. Oh, Jack, you and your ideas. Now, come on in, fellas. The dinner will get cold. Okay, let's go. Jack, we're short of chairs. Bring in the piano bench. All right, be with you in a minute. Hey, what's this dish on top of the piano? (laughs) Well. Hey, Jack, you get your hands out of there. That's for the boys. Oh. she see from the other room? <laughs> Here I come with the piano band. I wonder what's keeping that butler. Oh, Crowney. <laughs> Crowney. I don't know why. I don't know why you hired that smart Alec Butler anyway. I'll get it. Hey, Crowney. Yes, sir. Crowney, we're ready to... Crowley, why did you come in here barefooted? Where are your shoes? I'm sorry. I took them off by mistake. What? I used to work in a winery. <laughs> Stop with the joke. Just bring in the food. All right. What a butler. I still can't understand what made you hire him. Dinner is served. Here's the turkey. Gee, that turkey looks good. Uh, Jack, will you do the carving? Sure, I love to carve. Give me that knife. Mary, what do you want? White meat or dark meat? Uh, white meat, please. How about you, Dennis? Oh, I'll have a drumstick. Okay. Now, Don, would you like the white meat, dark meat, a leg or a wing? Yes, thank you, with mashed potatoes. <laughs> hmm. Uh, say, Bob... 
Look at Bagby. He's eating with his hands. Yeah. Hey, Bagby. What do you want? Have you tried your knife and fork? Yes, and they're delicious. (laughs) What? Yeah, he eats everything. Wristbands, jewelry, shoehorns. How do you like that? Oh, Miss Livingston, shall I serve the hot biscuits now? Uh, yes, Crowley. I'll have one. Very well. There. <laughs> Crowley, don't throw the biscuits. Certainly not. Why don't you stand closer to the table? I've been watching these people eat, and I don't want to get any on me. <laughs> is just to serve the food and not to antagonize the guests. Yes, madam. <laughs> Say, Mr. Benny, how about making a speech? Yeah, go ahead, Jack. Say something. Well... You know, this is the first time we've all had dinner together in a long time, so go ahead, make a speech. Okay. <clears throat> well, kids, it's sure nice for all of us to be here on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving... A day set aside where families can get together in common bond and humbly give thanks in a spirit of brotherly love. Here, here. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, Thanksgiving. A day that was originally started by the Pilgrim Fathers. The Pilgrim Fathers. That stalwart, staunch group of men and women who left their native shore. Don, stop eating. And after many months of suffering had their hardship rewarded by safely landing at Cape Cod in the year of 1620. Yes, our Pilgrim Fathers... Jack. Our Pilgrim Fathers... Jack. What is it, Don? The Pilgrims didn't land at Cape Cod. They landed at Plymouth Rock. No, no. No, no, Don. It was Cape Cod. Jack. Jack, any schoolboy knows it was Plymouth Rock. How can you say Cape Cod? Don, don't tell me anything about history. I went to school, too. I say the Pilgrims landed at Cape Cod. They didn't land at Cape Cod. It was Plymouth Rock. Don, they landed at Cape Cod. And if you don't... Jack, put down that carving knife. (laughs) Oh, pardon me. Beast. (laughs) Prove me. You stay out of it. Now, Don, this is Thanksgiving, so let's not quarrel. You think it was Plymouth Rock? I know it was Cape Cod. You can take my word for it. I know what I'm talking about. Well, so do I. It was Plymouth Rock. It was Cape Cod. Oh, for heaven's sake, cut it out. Crovney, serve the dessert, will you? I will if those two gentlemen will get off the table. <laughs> I will if he will. I'll have some more of that white meat. That's my leg. We should... <laughs> you should have told me sooner I put some gravy on it. Wilson, I think it's awful for you to come here on Thanksgiving, accept Mary's hospitality, and start a big argument like this. I didn't start the argument. You did. And you can ask anybody, and they'll tell you the Pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. I don't care who you ask. I still say they landed at Cape Cod. Jack, for goodness sake, finish the speech you started. I'll do it if everybody will shut up. (laughs) Now, as I was saying, friends... We're gathered here on Thanksgiving Day in a spirit of friendship. I gathered at 6.30. (laughs) 
friendship. A word that in itself represents that binding tie between all people. Let's try, friends. Let's try to keep the feeling that is so prevalent on this day throughout the entire year. So whenever you feel discouraged, just think of the spirit of those pilgrims who sailed across the ocean deep and finally landed at Cape Cod. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back in just a minute because I want to tell you about my television show, which goes on immediately after this program. But first... Lucky tastes better. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky, 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 lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Better get a carton, better get a carton, better get a carton today. Friends, you'll cheer Luckies, too, once you smoke them, because in a cigarette, nothing, no, nothing beats better taste. And Luckies do taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now, this better taste starts with Luckies' fine, mild, good-tasting tobacco. Everybody knows LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And just as important, Luckies taste better because they're made better. They're made round and firm and fully packed to give you a cleaner, fresher, smoother taste. No wonder a nationwide survey based on actual student interviews in 80 leading colleges reveals that more smokers in these colleges prefer Lucky's than any other cigarette. Yes, and Lucky Strike gained far more smokers in these colleges than the nation's two other principal brands combined. Now, the number one reason the students gave for smoking Lucky's was better taste. No doubt about it. Nothing. No, nothing beats better taste. And Lucky's taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother. Remember that when you step up to your favorite cigarette counter. Be happy. Go lucky. Get better taste today. Be happy. Go lucky. Get better taste today. Boss, you haven't got time to read. You're supposed to do your television show in 30 seconds. I know, Rochester. I'm not reading. I'm just looking something up in this history book. Here it is. In the year of 1620... The pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock. Hmm. Gee, it wasn't Cape Cod. It was Plymouth Rock. Don Wilson was right. Well, I hate to do this, but I guess I'll just have to call him up and fire him. <laughs> He's so smart, he can get another job. <laughs> See you in a few seconds, folks. Jack Benny program this week was written by Milt Josephsberg, John Tackerberry, Al Gordon, Hal Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Martin. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the CBS Radio Network. RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents Transcribe, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. The 
more enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Most married men like to have a night out with the boys. Sometimes it can be a lot of fun, but other times it can be... Uh, but more about that later. First, a word from RCA Victor. This Christmas, give the gift of year-round fun. Surprise that special person with RCA Victor's stunning new super personal portable radio. It makes a great Christmas gift for anyone, and for three mighty good reasons. It's handy, it plays longer, and it's top value. This new RCA Victor set is the handiest portable radio ever because it's no bigger than an average size book and so lightweight you can take it anywhere with ease. It plays longer, 10 times longer than previous small portables, thanks to new RCA Balance Life batteries. And its new battery lifesaver switch can add even more playing hours by letting the batteries loaf. And RCA Victor's tiny super personal portable radio is way ahead in value too. It's trim and smartly styled, comes in a choice of six rich colors, and it's priced at only $29.95 plus batteries, slightly higher in the far west and south. And here's something to remember. According to reports, one gift our GIs in Korea would like to receive is a portable radio. And the super personal portable will be a happy choice because it's so tiny, so long playing. If you do decide to send your GI this RCA Victor super personal portable, remember, he probably can't buy batteries. So send a few extra batteries too. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Last night, Elliot Lewis threw his annual poker game and lick your own wounds party. <laughs> it was held at his apartment and Phil was the guest of honor. It was quite a night. And now as we look in on the Harris home, it is noon the next day. Phil is still in bed and Elliot has come over to see how he's feeling. Good morning, Curly. Come on, get up. I got a new bebop story for you. <laughs> Hey, this is real crazy, man. Seems these two cats were standing on the street. Oh, not now, Elliot. No, no. What? Please, Elliot, not now. My head feels like a Spike Jones rehearsal hall. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you enjoyed yourself last night. Did you have a good time? I wouldn't know. (laughs) Oh, Elliot, what happened? Nothing happened. Came over to my house for a poker game. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was some kind of a disaster, wasn't there? (laughs) Oh, don't you remember? You walked into the apartment, sat down at the table, said hello to the boys. Yeah, I remember that part. Then you bought some chips and Sammy started a deal. I remember that. Then I made you a drink, you started to drink. That's it! (laughs) That's when the super chief came through your living room and smacked me right in the kiss. I don't remember a thing after that I can't understand it, Curly All you had was one little sip And you can't recall a thing With the liquor you served, that's possible (laughs) What were you serving? Bonded amnesia? (laughs) Don't be snide I served very good bourbon Nobody ever got hurt drinking old vulture (laughs) 
That's a splendid name for it, Old Vulture. One drink and you start circling. <laughs> oh, Curly, you must be getting old. You had one sip and you can't remember what happened. Can you remember what happened? No. <laughs> but I had two sips. <laughs> Why don't you get up and get dressed and we'll go... Elliot! Huh? Elliot, open the door. I have a lunch tray for Phil. Uh-oh, that's Alice. Look, Elliot, don't say nothing about the poker game last night. I didn't tell her about it. What did you tell her? I didn't tell her anything yet, but if she asks me, I'm going to say I went someplace else instead. And if she asks you, tell her the same thing. Yeah, okay. Coming, Alice! There you are, Alice. Oh, good morning, Phil. About time you woke up. I brought you some lunch. What? Oh, thanks, honey. It, I... I'm not hungry. I, I don't feel so good. Well, you felt all right when you left the house with Elliot last night. Elliot, where did you two go? We went someplace else instead. <laughs> instead of where? Instead of the poker game we didn't go to. <laughs> Bill Harris, was there a poker game last night? I imagine there was one someplace <laughs> But we didn't go there Because instead We went someplace else Instead I already said that I slipped it in the middle You're confusing me Phil Phil, did you have anything to drink last night? Who? Me? <laughs> Perish the thought Then why don't you feel good? Well, I, I think I have a bad chest cold Well, I haven't heard you coughing Well, you haven't been paying attention <laughs> I've been coughing like mad all morning Every five minutes I have a spasm And oops, here it comes again <coughs> <coughs> Oh, Phil Phil, that, that cough sounds terrible I'd like to see you do better without a rehearsal <laughs> Oh, oh, oh <laughs> Oh, you mean that I, I got a bad cold Yes, I have, dear. My poor chest is just killing me. <clears throat> I'll get you something for your chest, Phil, and you'll be all right in no time. Will you tell me something, Elliot? Yeah? I don't remember much about last night. Now, just what did we do? Well, as I remember, we were playing poker, and then you started to sing. I did? Well, now, wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> Hey, what'd I sing? A uh, tune, uh, well, it's something like this. Uh, a piece of pudding tray, a piece of pudding tray, a piece of pudding tray. Hold it, hold it. Will you hold it a minute? <laughs> You're ruining one of my latest RCA Victor records. <laughs> Look, you better let me do it. All huh? right. Piece of pudding, piece of pudding, piece of pudding hot, piece of pudding hot, piece of pudding cold. Piece of pudding in the pot, just nine days old. Well, the patty cake, the patty cake, the bacon's man. Put it in the oven just as fast as you can. Some like it hot and some like it cold, but I like it in the pot nine days old. Piece of pudding hot, piece of pudding cold. Piece of pudding in the pot, just nine days old. Didn't care much about going to school. It was all work and no play. Home about half past three. I love to hear my mama say, Here's a piece of pudding hot, hot, 
puddin', piece of puddin' coal. Cold puddin', piece of puddin' in the pot. Hot puddin', just nine days old. Nine days old. Steak all juicy and brown But I looked on my plate And here's all I found Just a piece, piece of pudding hot Piece of pudding cold Piece of pudding in the pot Just nine days old I don't want ham I don't want greens There's only one dish that pops my seams It's a piece of pudding hot You got the hot pot pudding Piece of pudding cold The coldy coldy pudding Piece of pudding in the pot The pot pot pudding Just nine days old Just nine days old Mama said, son, here's 15 cents. Go watch that elephant jump the fence. He jumped so high, he started to fly. We didn't get back till the 4th of July. Piece of pudding hot. Got the put, put, put it. Piece of pudding cold. Oh, the cold, cold put it. Piece of pudding in the pot. The pot, pot pudding. Just nine days old, nine days old. Hot, hot pudding. Cold, cold pudding. Hot, hot pudding. Curly, that's just the way you sang that song last night. I did? Then what happened? My landlady threw us out of the apartment. <laughs> Don't like Beethoven, huh? <laughs> hey, Elliot, then what did we do? Well, it, it's all kind of hazy, but I think we went downtown to a tattoo parlor. <laughs> what was that for? I don't know. I had some wild idea about having my girlfriend Emma's name tattooed on my chest. <laughs> you didn't do it, did you? Well, of course not. I wouldn't. I didn't. Or did I? <laughs> Curly, I'm going to open my shirt. Tell me quick, is Emma there? Let me see. Nah. You sure there's nothing on my chest? Well, nothing except a little patch of green hair <laughs> I gotta stop wearing those chlorophyll undershirts <laughs> Thank goodness it ain't there, huh? It's funny, though I could have sworn I saw that artist tattoo Emma's name on somebody's chest <laughs> Well, it's possible who else was with you? Just you. Well, if I was the only one with you... It... <laughs> Elliot. Sir? I'm gonna open my pajama top. And I'm gonna look down slowly. <laughs> and if I see any embroidery work... <laughs> On my lily white body. <laughs> How? <laughs> 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 
Don't bother looking, Curly. It's there. Huh? <laughs> Emma, in Old English Scroll. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Your girlfriend's name is on my chest? Now, how am I going to explain that to Alice? Never mind Alice. How am I going to explain it to Emma? <laughs> how did her name get on my chest? Just let me think a minute. Well, think. It seems to me that when we went into the tattoo parlor, I insisted on seeing a sample of his writing before I'd let him touch me. So? So he must have used you for a scratch pad. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to kill you. Don't blame me. It was an accident. Oh, Ellie, what are you talking about, an accident? Now, can't you see what trouble I'm in? i got to think of some way to get this tattoo off of my chest before Alice sees yeah, it. You better think of something fast. I hear it coming. Oh, no. Now, what am I going to well, do? Quick, put your pajama tops on, get back in bed, cover up so she won't see it. Okay. Right. Tattooed at my age. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if it was a nice battleship, you know, the molars. Look, Elliot, eventually Alice is going to see this tattoo. Now, how am I going to explain Emma to her? Well, there must be some way. Wait a minute. <laughs> I have been stupid. There's a simple solution. Tell your wife you had the tattoo put on for her. But her name is Alice. Get her to change it to Emma. <laughs> I got news for you. Hmm? You're still stupid. I think it's worth a try, and I... Well, Phil. Phil, how do you feel now? He's much better, Emma. Emma? <laughs> My name is Alice. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You know, you're much too glamorous to have a plain name like Alice. A girl of your beauty should have a name that has allure, mystery, fire. True. I could change it to Lana. Or Emma. Or Rita. Or Emma. Or Ava. Or, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> of course, Ava isn't the name I had on my mind. It ain't the one I got on my chest, Ava. <laughs> what was that, Phil? Honey, nothing. It would not, I'm, I, I, I'm a little delirious, honey, that... Well, my cold is much worse. Well, I'll fix that in a minute. I'll put this hot mustard plaster on your chest. My chest? No, no, honey, that ain't gonna do any good. You see, well, uh, you can't... Uh, honey, the cold just slipped down to my stomach. All right, boys. Phil, I don't think there's anything wrong with your chest. I think it's your head. That's no way to talk to a sick man. <laughs> Now, look, if you're sick, let me put this mustard plaster on your chest. Honey, I don't need medicine. If you want to make me feel better, uh, uh... Oh, go downstairs and put some records on the Vic Trolley. You know, the music always soothes me. Well, if it's music you want, I'll stay here and sing for you. But, but can't you do it from downstairs or, or up on the roof or... Oh, 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 better yet, go over to your mother's house and phone it in. I'm gonna sing right here. No two people have ever been so in love, been so in love, been so in love. No two people have ever been so in love as my lovely dove and I. No two people have ever moon such a moon, June such a June, spoon such a spoon. No two people have ever been so in tune as my macaroon and I. 
And when we kiss, and when we kiss, and when we kiss, well, it's like this. Well, it's historical. It's hysterical. Let me tell. Well, certainly, darling. No two people have ever been so in love, been so in love, been so in love. No two people have ever been so in love as my lovely dove and I. Never before and never again could never anything more romantic ever again. Be. No two people have ever been so in love. Been so in love. Been so in love. Been so in love. So in it's love. incredible. No two people have ever been so in love. So as my lovely dove and this is unique, the positive peak. Oh, we are the most unusual couple on earth. No two people have ever moon such a moon, such a moon, such a June, such a June, such a. What he means is that no two. People have ever been so in tune. So is my macaroon and I. And when we kiss, when we kiss, and when we kiss, well it's like this. Well it's historical. It's hysterical. Let me tell. Well certainly, darling. No two people have ever been so in love. Been so in been love. So in love. Been so in been love. So in it's love. impossible. No two people have ever been so in been love. Been so is my lovely dove, and this is the dream. The very extreme, the sort of a dream you couldn't well, imagine. Anyway, no two people have ever been so in been love. Been so is my lovely dove, and I. Well, honey. How do you feel now? Oh, honey, I'm sicker than ever. <laughs> look, you'd better leave the room before you get what I got. What have you got? I can't say, but it wouldn't look good on you. <laughs> now, please go, will you, honey? Very well. If you're trying to get rid of me, I'll go. I wonder what's wrong with him. He's acting awfully peculiar. I'd better call the doctor and have him come over and examine him. Gee, I hope it's nothing serious. Anybody home? I brought the groceries. Oh, hello, Miss Faye. Say, you look upset. What's the matter? Oh, I'm having trouble with Mr. Harris. Oh? And what's wrong with the jerky Cherokee today? Julius, <laughs> <laughs> he's sick in bed. He is? <laughs> Tell me, does he have much pain? No, no, he doesn't have any pain at all. Can't we fly some in? <laughs> well, if Mr. Harris is sick, I guess I ought to go in and see him. Where is he? Oh, he's in the bedroom with Mr. Lewis. And uh, you go on in, because I'm going to go call the doctor. See if he can get one who just lost his license. <laughs> I bet that big baboon ain't sick. He must be faking. He and Mr. Lewis are probably up to something. I think I'll sneak up to the door and listen. Curly, it's not going to do you any good to lie here and pretend you're sick. Uh-huh. My suspicions have been confirmed. <laughs> oh, maybe you're right, Elliot. Maybe you ought to try and sneak out, because if Alice ever comes in here and sees Emma, I'm dead. Emma? He's got a dame in there. <laughs> Curly, sneaking out won't do any good. Sooner or later, Alice will find out what you've got to do is get rid of Emma. 
I can't get rid of her. She's part of me. Whoa, that nasty old man. <laughs> there must be some way of getting rid of her. How can I? I've got her under my skin. With his loose skin, that's possible. <laughs> Elliot, look, there must be something that I can do. I can't stand having Emma on my chest. She's standing on his chest? <laughs> this I gotta see. Mr. Harris, why is that woman standing on... on... All right, fellas, where's Emma? I know there's a woman in here. There ain't no woman in here. Who are you kidding? I heard you say you got Emma on your... your... Well, ain't that a dainty doily on your chest? <laughs> That's a tattoo. I see. A married man whose wife's name is Alice has Emma tattooed on his chest. Ooh, wait till Miss Faye hears about this. You might have a tough time. Now, wait a minute, kid. Wait a minute. Now, the whole thing was an accident, and I don't want my wife to know. Look, uh, Julius, would uh, $20 close your mouth? I doubt it. I got a pretty big mouth. <laughs> Two 20s might plug the hole. All right, all right. Here's 40 bucks, and you're not to say anything about Emma, understand? Yeah. I promise not to say anything to your wife about Emma, in return for which you are to give me $40. Right. Every week. <laughs> Julius. For 20 years. <laughs> Look, kid. With options for renewal. <laughs> Why, you little blackmailer, I like Curly. He's got you. All right, all right, so he's got me. Now, look, Julius, I'm going to give you 40 bucks a week. Now, you get out of here. Beat it. I'm going. By the way, Mr. Harris, you better cover up Emma so the doctor don't see her. What doctor? The one your wife called. He's on his way over to examine you. Huh? Well, goodbye, Mr. Harris, Mr. Lewis. And so long, Emma, you little annuity, you. <laughs> you hear that, Elliot? A doctor. Mm -hmm. A doctor. Now I'm really dead. The first thing the doctor's gonna do is examine my chest, and then Alice will see Emma. All right, brain, what do I do now? I got an idea. Alice thought you were acting a little peculiar before So, so So, so If you can put on an act And make the doctor think you're a little balmy He'll examine your head Not your chest Yeah, yeah <laughs> That would work There's only one danger What? He might find something wrong with your head <laughs> Well, that's a chance I'll have to take <laughs> Don't worry, I'll put on an act that'll really fool that doctor Yeah, but you gotta be subtle Just act a little irrational When you uh, speak, don't make too much sense But don't overdo Bill, Bill, the doctor is here Oh, goody Butter him and slide him under the door <laughs> Oh, Bill, I was worried about you So I called the doctor uh, Dr. Conrad, this is my husband, Mr. Harris How do you do, Mr. Harris? Now, what seems to be troubling you? That'll be $10, please <laughs> Why, there's nothing troubling me <laughs> That's what they all say Now, you just sit down and take your shoes off The blacksmith will be back in a minute <laughs> Stop it, this is the doctor Oh, isn't that splendid? I love doctors Well, that makes me glad all over <laughs> 
<laughs> now look, will you please... Do you know that more doctors smoke camels than any other animal? <laughs> Bill, what's the matter with you? You're acting like a crazy two-year-old You're just saying that to keep me out of the big race today And I'm the only one who can beat Citation <laughs> Are my oats ready? You know, Harris, I think I'll have to put you under observation I knew it, I knew it You're just trying to get rid of me I knew as soon as you walked in With your long blonde curls You were planning to steal my bald-headed wife <laughs> Curly, it's the other way around I know, but it sounds crazier my way <laughs> Doctor, why do you want to run away with my wife When movies are better than ever? <laughs> Look, Harris Quiet, dear They're playing our song <laughs> Well, I think I've heard enough I'm leaving, Mrs. Harris Your husband doesn't need a chest specialist Should I call a psychiatrist? Why waste the money? Just get a couple of squirrels And have them carry him off <laughs> Goodbye <laughs> There he goes, and he didn't even kiss me goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, anyone for channel swimming? <laughs> Curly, he's gone. You can stop. I don't want to stop. I like that kind of talk. This may be the beginning of a new character for me. Now, if you'll hand me my roller skates, I'll be off to all the right, rink. All right, Phil, all right. What's going on? Why didn't you want the doctor to look at your chest? Well, uh... uh... Well, I don't want anybody to see it, honey It looks awful It's all discolored Well, I'm going to see it anyway I'm going to take those pajama tops off No, no, please Don't touch me My chest Well, it has a horrible rash And if you should see it Oh, still mm. Now Now I'll be able to see what Phil Harris What is that name tattooed on your chest? Who is Emma? Emma's my girlfriend <laughs> What's her name doing on Phil's chest? Well, my chest was too small to put it on So Curly allowed me to use <laughs> That's right, honey, that's right And greater love hath no man Than to lend his bosom to a narrow-chested friend <laughs> and Phil will be back in just a moment. Unless you're an expert, you wouldn't try to repair your own car. You drive it into a garage and have a mechanic do it. Radio and television receivers are even more complex than automobiles. And if they need to be serviced, the job should always be done by expert technicians. Your local radio television serviceman is trained in the adjustment and repair of radios and television sets. He has expensive test equipment to make sure your receiver is restored to its original performance. So always call on your serviceman if your radio or television set needs adjustment. It will cost you less in the long run. And if the picture tube or any one of the receiving tubes needs to be replaced, your serviceman will recommend RCA tubes. They cost no more, and they're your best insurance against failure in your radio or television set. Always insist on RCA tubes. <laughs> Folks, this is Phil again. Next week, local chapters of the United States Junior Chamber of Commerce and hundreds of cities and towns from coast to coast will begin one of their most important Christmas activities. 
the J.C. Christmas Shopping Tour for orphans and underprivileged children. There are thousands of these youngsters who have never known the pleasure of giving, and that's just what the J.C. Christmas Shopping Tour offers them, the chance to enjoy this new experience. To find out how this heartwarming program works in your town, how you can participate, listen to your local radio and TV personalities this coming week. They'll tell you all about it. And you can help a lot of swell kids have a brighter Christmas. And it'll make you feel great yourself. So watch for the J.C. Christmas Shopping Tour in your community next week. Thanks, everybody, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed was Joseph Kearns. The part of Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Last year, RCA Victor made Christmas especially beautiful for millions of Americans with an album of Yuletide songs sung by the Robert Shaw Chorale. And now, RCA Victor brings you Volume 2, Robert Shaw's Christmas Hymns and Carols. In this brand new album, available in all three speeds, the Robert Shaw Chorale sings 26 beautiful but seldom heard Christmas selections. Buy either or both of these wonderful RCA Victor Christmas albums at your record dealers tomorrow. Tonight, hear Theater Guild on the air over NBC. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1942-1943 season of the Jack Benny Show. Now tonight we have a special episode that ties in nicely to, and I didn't even know it did this, it ties in nicely to our year-long theme of the Year of the Replacements that I've talked about a little before. So far it started out, of course, with Phil Harris being replaced with... Um, Bob Crosby over on Jack's 1952-1953 season. And then we followed that up by having uh, Judy Garland and Jimmy Stewart replace Bing Crosby for a couple weeks on his show. And coming up, we're going to have some great replacements for Jimmy Durante here coming up in just a few weeks. Um, we're going to have some major changes on this Jack Benny um, show from the 1942-43 season here in a couple weeks. If I were you, I would definitely enjoy Phil Harris while you can. And uh, tonight, we'll have one of our little contests, and you can email me if you figure out what I'm talking about when I say that there's a major replacement that happens tonight that, um, that uh, makes this episode unique and a lot of fun. Uh, I want to thank, and, and usually who my winner is, usually is Jim. Um, I don't know um, if he, I, I put my podcast out there sometimes at about 2 or 3 in the morning, and uh, maybe he listens to them at 3.01 or 2.01 and gets back to me right away. So uh, so get it, get your responses back to me right away so you can beat Jim if possible. Jim, good luck to you, of course. And thank you, Jim, for continuing to... Uh, feature on my podcast on your blog and this specific series 1942-1943 season he's featuring on his blog right now as he's going through um, this this uh, season 
Uh, what was I going to say about his blog? I don't know. <laughs> it's a great blog. The completest blog. And uh, anyway, enjoy this wonderful episode of the Jack Benny Show. Enjoy some more of our replacements as they come throughout this season. And we'll see you next time. Oh, can it be a ray of sun that makes you happy when he awakes? Oh, no, it ain't his sun ray. It's a Grape Nuts Flakes. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don. Don, what's that? Well, Jack, we have to have a theme song for Grape Nuts Flakes, and I thought that would be a good idea. Well, that's awful. You better get another one next week. Okay. The Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Friends, this is the way the man of the house sounds before he has breakfast. He opens one eye and groans, oh, what a day, what a day. But wait. Give the man of the house a big, tempting bowl full of delicious, toasty brown grape nuts flakes, and then you hear something like this. Oh, boy, what a day. What a day. Same words, same man, but notice the difference. The difference that goes with a swell-tasting breakfast. And it's the makings of a swell-tasting breakfast you get in each big 12-ounce package of grape nuts flakes. Your favorite malty-rich grape nuts flavor in toasty brown, tempting flake form. So keep smiling, friends, on the home front with plenty of delicious, sweet-as-a-nut grape nuts flakes. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Plaza Theater in Palm Springs, California, we bring you that sun-tanned adenoids. Adenoids? That's Adonis. Read it right. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> adenoids. That sun-tanned Adonis, Jack Benny. Well, thank you, thank you. All right, Benny. <laughs> thank you, sir. Who is that guy? Uh, hello again, this is Jack Benny talking, and Don, it sure is a thrill broadcasting for this all-Army audience. Yes, it is, Jack. Just think, we have Army nurses and patients here from Turney Hospital, soldiers from the Tank Corps at Camp Young, Army Air Force pilots from Camp Hemet, and pilots and ground crews from the Ferry Command. And don't forget the boys from the Glider School at 29 Palms. They're here, too. Oh, yes, yes, and that reminds me. Will you fellas up there in the gliders quit looping around the chandelier? <laughs> We're broadcasting. I don't see why they can't leave their gliders outside. But you know, Don, with all these soldiers in this area, Palm Springs has really changed. Well, what do you mean, Jack? Well, uh, I know a cute girl that works in the drugstore up the street here, so last night I dropped in as usual to ask her for a date. And what happened? She's booked solid till 1987. 
I'll be down to get her in a wheelchair, honey. <laughs> by the way, uh, by the way, Don, uh, where are you stopping here in town? Oh, I'm at the Deep Well Guest Ranch. Oh, at the Deep Well, eh? Uh, yes. Where are you staying, Jack? Me? Oh, I'm at the Shallow Bucket Motel. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh... It's right, in, it's right in back of the deep well You can't miss it It's a nice white building with a corral around it Corral around it? Why, that's our stable I know When I say I'm going to hit the hay at night I really mean it <laughs> But the hotels are crowded I don't mind roughing it here in the desert Oh, hello, Mary Hello <coughs> hmm. Here we are in Old Palm Springs With its sunshine oh so bright Here it's calm and here it's peaceful but hold your hats on Saturday night. Well, naturally, Mary, all the soldiers come to town on Saturday night and they have a right to celebrate. I hear some of these boys haven't been off the desert in 12 weeks. You're telling me. <laughs> well, we didn't expect a laugh on that one, did we? I dropped my handkerchief on the main street yesterday and, oh, brother, what a riot. I mean, they moved in on you, eh? Yeah, now I know what they mean by a military objective. <laughs> well, after all, Mary, there aren't many girls around here. You said it. You should have been at the USO dance last night. What happened? I barely got started dancing when a corporal came up and said, Pardon me, miss, may my squad cut in? Squad? <laughs> you mean to say you were out on the floor with eight fellas at once? Yeah. That's the first time I ever danced cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek to cheek. All right, all right. I know what you mean, but you'd think that, well, look who's here, Dennis Day. Where? You. <laughs> You're Dennis Day. Hello. Hello, Mr. Benny. Hmm. What are you staring at, kid? Gee whiz, look at all those big moths flying around. Moths? Well, I'll... Now, for the last time, will you fellas in the gliders please come down? <laughs> Relax, it's your day off. Well, Dennis? Dennis, what's on your mind? Mind? That's a hot one. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, how do you like it here? Have you been having fun? Yeah, but this town sure has changed. Remember when we were here a year ago and we used to step out with all those pretty girls? Yes, sir. You and I sure played gin rummy last night, didn't we? <laughs> That, uh, that we did. How much did I win from you, kid? $300. Oh, yes. I can't understand it. We were only playing for matches. <laughs> well, you see, Dennis, those matches represented $10 apiece. And I had them all. When I had them all, a match was a match. <laughs> Never mind. You had fun, so forget it. Say, Dennis, uh, Dennis, did you go around visiting the different camps and sing for the boys like I told you to? Yeah, and you know, Mr. Benny, I saw a lot of tanks at Camp Young and they're painted all different colors. Well, sure, sure, Dennis. They camouflage them. Camouflage? What's that? That's the stuff they put on Jack's face when he makes a picture. <laughs> That's makeup. Everybody uses it. In layers? Never mind. <laughs> Anyway, it's about, it's about time for a band number. Say, Phil, Phil, have you got a good hot tune for us? If you're referring to a musical selection, I have one prepared that should be rather euphonious. 
Euphonious? That means it'll sound good. I know. You know now. I knew before. <laughs> well, what I want to know is, where did you get that highbrow language? Well, I've been studying English in night school, old boy. <laughs> Bill, what's a married man with a baby going to night school for? That's the only way I can get out of the house. <laughs> You ought to stay home. You studied French all last year and you don't remember a thing. I do too. Get this. Jer, Perjure, Don, Les Palmes, Dertaire. What does that mean? I went fishing in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> well, that's the silliest hobby I ever heard of. Phil, getting back to your euphonious musical selection, how about it? Wee oui, wee, oui, mademoiselle. Hmm, go ahead and play. I went fishing in the mashed potatoes. Trains in the Night, played by Phil Harris and his riveters of music. <laughs> they, they really hammer it out. So they, say, Phil. <laughs> say, Phil. Yes, Jackson. Uh, Phil, you and the boys are going back to Los Angeles Tuesday, aren't you? Yeah. Well, that's the day gas rationing starts. Uh, how are you going to get back? Well, you know that big bus we always ride in? Yes. Well, we're going back. I'm going to put my brass section behind it and let them blow. <laughs> that's the best substitute for gas I've heard of. No kidding, huh? Well, Jack, uh, gas isn't the only thing that's being rationed nowadays. No, there are a lot of things, Don. There's a half a pound of sugar a week, no whipped cream, one cup of coffee a day, and meatless Tuesday. But... We'll just have to get used to it. Used to it? You've been rehearsing for this all your life. <laughs> what do 
What are you talking about? I've always served a lot of food in my house. Go on. You wouldn't even put a piece of cheese in a mousetrap. I wouldn't, eh? Then how is it I catch four or five mice a week? Huh? You charm them with a flute. <laughs> Listen, Mary, if you think I'm bad, you should have been at Eddie Cantor's house with me for Thanksgiving dinner. You had dinner at Cantor's house? Yes. I was on his program Wednesday night, and he didn't give me many jokes, so he invited me to dinner. I guess he didn't want to be a complete louse. <laughs> anyway, Eddie, Ida, the five daughters and myself sat down to eat. Did you have turkey, Jackson? Yes, that's the only bird I ever saw that was beaten to death. <laughs> you should have seen, Don, you should have seen how fast Ida and those five daughters went after the turkey. Henry Kaiser must have taught him how to eat. <laughs> that food really disappeared. Well, Jack, uh, what part of the turkey did you get? The rudder. <laughs> that, that candor is really a guy. You know? Oh, uh, talking about Thanksgiving dinner, Jack, you should have been over to my house. Mmm, yum, yum. Hmm. Uh, what, uh, what did you have, Don? Well, uh, for breakfast, I had a bowl of toasty brown sweet as a nut grape nuts flakes right out of that 12-ounce economy-sized package. Uh, good, but, uh, what did you have for dinner? Then around lunch, I felt hungry again, so I had another dish of grape nuts flakes, just smothered in sliced peaches. But what did you have for dinner? Well, for dinner, I had a great big turkey. Good. And Jack... Do you know what my turkey was stuffed with? Yes, and I wish this was the $64 question. <laughs> Do I know? Huh? Hey, Phil, uh, Phil, did you have a nice Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, it was lovely. We started out with Vichy Soie à la Crillon. Yes. Then we had some Palme de Terre à la Met. Uh-huh. And then for our main dish, we had Faison rotisserie. Faison? You know, roast peasant. That's pheasant. <laughs> roast pheasant. For good... Phil, I give you my word of honor, you're stupid. <laughs> you can believe me. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Can you imagine wading through all that French and then stumbling on a peasant? That's life, Phil, that's life. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, the Benny Livestock Company... I mean, the Benny Live Stock Company. <laughs> uh, will present an unusual novel. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Unusual and novelty mean the same thing. Phil, if you don't shut up, I'll take that yo-yo off your baton. <laughs> now, it so happens that... Um, it so happens that many of the tank troops who are engaged in the North African campaign learned the principles of desert warfare right down here at Camp Young. So for our play this evening, we're going to take you to North Africa and show you the amazing adventures of three boys who trained at Camp Young and who are now on the Sahara Desert. Am I going to be in this? No, Mary, this is about soldiers. There's no part for a girl. You let me be in your play or I'll tell all these fellows you live in a stable. They, they know that already. Do they know you're in there pitching for your room rent? <laughs> All right, you can be in the play. Now, the, um, the three soldiers I spoke of will be uh, Private Phil Harris, Private Don Wilson, 
and Corporal, I mean General, Jack Benny. That's the fastest promotion I ever heard of. What? From a pitchfork to a sword in two lines. All right, I'll be a corporal. Now, Dennis. Yes, please? Uh, Dennis, you're going to be a general in our play tonight. General Rommel. General Rommel? Whose side is he on? Nobody knows. They can't find him. They will. Don't worry. Now, Dennis, uh, General Rommel is the head of what's left of the German army in Africa. And you're going to be him. I don't want to be General Rommel. You'll be General Rommel. And now, folks... Well, I won't step on a goose. That's goose step. (laughs) Won't step on a goose. Anyway, you're going to be that German general. It's only a play. And now, folks, this drama will go on immediately after a song by our temperamental tenor, Sing Kid. good to me. I really thought I had a place in your heart. But now I see it never was me. It was someone else right from the start. You're dreaming. He's dreaming. I'm dreaming One too many So my dream can never come true You love him He loves you I love you too A three dreams are one too many So my dream can never come true My hoping that you would love me was only a madcap scheme that left me in the middle of this crazy little three-cornered dream. You're happy. He's happy. I know I'm Uh, 
That was Three Dreams from the forthcoming picture Powers Girl, sung for the first time on the air by Dennis Day. And incidentally, folks, Dennis sings that song in, uh, in the picture. Yes, sir. Powers Girls. What part did you play it in, Dennis? I was Tilly, the third girl from the left. <laughs> you were not. Stop showing off. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our drama of army life entitled Three Men in a Tank. So let us journey to North Africa, to the Allied base, in the little town of... <laughs> military secret, Morocco. <laughs> Curtain. Music. It's hot here in Morocco. Detachment, halt! <laughs> hmm. Detachment, halt! Detachment, halt! <laughs> now, fellas, cut that out. Corporal, Corporal Benny and crew reporting for duty, General. What are the orders? Now, listen, Benny, I have a special assignment for you and your tank crew. We've received information that General Rommel is hiding in the little town of... Now, your orders are to proceed to that town and capture Rommel. Yes, sir. Write that down, Private Wilson. I haven't got a pencil. Write that down, Private Harris. I can't write. Okay, I'll memorize it. Now, uh, General Rommel. I mean, now, General. Rommel is pretty tricky. <laughs> but I'll go on this mission and I'll capture Rommel... Or my name is... Quiet, Ham. Get moving. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's go, fellas. Detachment. Forward. March. Wait till I open the door. <laughs> okay. Let's go, fellas. Here's our tank. We're off for the Libyan desert. Say, this tank rides pretty good. <laughs> Darn those camels, why don't they stay on their side of the road? <laughs> hey, are them things camels? I thought they were horses that had a bad night. Well, they're camels. And incidentally, Harris, you're the gunner, so get off that Davenport. And everybody clean up around here or we'll never get that gold star for tidiest tank in the outfit. <laughs> How are you coming along, Wilson? Fine, sir. I'm all through dusting. All through dusting? Look at those cretonne curtains. I can hardly see the rosebuds on them. <laughs> Shake them out. Hey, Corporal, can I have a bottle of beer? It's right in the icebox. Help yourself. The icebox is empty. What? A fine tank with no beer. Oh, hostess. Hostess. Yes, Corporal. 
I'm hungry. I'm hungry. What are we having for dinner? Great nuts, Blake. Oh, boy, it says here. are we having? Broiled camel chops with two humps of potatoes. Goody. I think we're running low on gas, Corporal. Hmm, low on gas right in the middle of the desert. Well, I'll be darned. There's a gas station right up ahead. I'll drive in. Here comes the attendant. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? We'd like some gasoline, please. Okay. Where's your A book? <laughs> That's not till December 1st. Now fill up my tank's tank. Five gallons, please. Yes, sir. There you are. Good. How much is that? Nothing. This is a mirage. <laughs> well, I hope I find a mirage after next Tuesday. Well, let's go, men. And I'm going to find Rommel on this desert or money me. Hmm. Two days on this desert, no trace of Rommel. I wonder where we are. Here comes someone on a camel. He's dressed like an Arab. Oh, yes. I'll see if I can make him understand me. Hello there. Me, American soldier, you tell them where can find Tripoli? I don't know. I'm a stranger around here. <laughs> hmm. Well, aren't you an Arab? No, sir. I want these bloomers shooting craps. Oh, do they, uh, do they shoot craps around here? In Ethiopia, it's the survival of the fittest. <laughs> well, uh, where did you get the camel? He knelt down and I faded him. <laughs> well, now, listen, stranger. We're looking for Rommel. Have you seen any Nazis around here? I've worn out four razors, if that's what you mean. Good, then he must be around here somewhere. Well, thanks for the information, mister. So long. So long. I'm a sheik of Arabi, down south in Africa. <laughs> I don't know how long we've been on this desert. What do we got for dinner, hostess? Roast turkey. Roast turkey, roast turkey, meat, meat. Why don't we have sardines once in a while? <laughs> are you kidding? I wonder where we are. Stop the tank, Corporal. There's a signpost up ahead. Oh, yes. Let's see what it says on that signpost. It says Benghazi, 23 miles. El Agalia, 16 miles. Palm Springs Racquet Club, 8,000 miles. 
and I wanted to get some tennis in before dinner. Oh, well. Hey, Corporal, look at that guy running across the desert. The fellow in a tracksuit, and he's coming toward us. Hello there. Say, mister, we're American soldiers. Maybe you can help us out. Und die versteinste Gleitung verzeiht nicht. Eine Luten verstuten, Luten, 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 Stuten, Stuten, Luten. Which way is Tripoli? What? I beg your pardon? Dumm Kaff. Und die versteinste Gleitung verzeiht nicht. Eine Luten, Luten, Stuten, Luten, Stuten, Stuten. Which way is Tripoli? Wait a minute. I know that face. You're General Rommel, and you're under arrest. Arrest? Come on with us. We're American soldiers. Oh, boy, wait till Hitler hears about this. Amerikanische Soldaten, was gebluten, geheimisch gelüten, und die geheime Staatspolizei right in the Führer's face. You got something there. Come on, man. We'll get medals for this. Step up to a grocer and ask for a big 12 ounce package of delicious, malty rich grape nuts flakes. I know just about what she's thinking. She's thinking of thrifty and nourishing breakfasts. She's thinking of her family's welfare. And now that we're being asked to restrict overmeat consumption, we must all find new ways to balance our meals with foods that are plentiful and thrifty, such as milk and whole grain cereals. Breakfasts of grape nuts flakes help to do just this because grape nuts flakes are a whole grain cereal. So they bring you important whole grain food levels, including iron, niacin, and a generous amount of the essential nerve and energy vitamin B1. So remember, ladies, when you think of nourishment, flavor, and thrift, be sure you think of Great Nuts Flakes. We're very late, so good night, folks, and thanks, everybody. <laughs>